0: Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia, exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, Lead Pastor of Mosaic Church.
1: This series we've been doing has really been blessing my life. This series on what it means to saturate our hearts with the right things. You know, saturating our hearts with with, with the right things is so essential to our very existence. See, if we saturate our hearts with the wrong things, it can certainly determine our destiny. And my job and my goal, and let me fix that, my passion and, and my desperation today is that we leave this place and finish this series with understanding what God wants for us to saturate our heart with so we no longer have to guess and figure it out or we don't have to fill the voids in our lives with things that don't honor God, amen? And so, and so the first thing we talked about was saturating our hearts with the Word of God, and I pray that you've all started on a, a plan of reading your Bible daily, really carving out time for God. Uh, secondly we talked about uh, about saturating your heart with worship and we understand that worship is not just singing it's it's not just music it's not just just your favorite jam worship is actually what we do all the time for God we also talked about saturating your heart with prayer because here's what I know if we saturate our hearts with the Word of God, and if we saturate our hearts with worship, none of it will make sense until we really, really saturate our heart with prayer. And I know in this place, because of your own personal testimonies, that many of you have been blessed already by what we have done together corporately and what you've done privately in prayer. But today, I want to talk about what really honors God. And that's saturating our heart with generosity. So often, when you say generosity in the church, it, 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 it draws this weird, uncomfortable feeling for many. Uh, it, the, the pastor's uncomfortable talking about it, and the congregants, especially if they're new, are uncomfortable hearing about it. Oh, he's going to ask for some money. But generosity stretches far, 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 far beyond your financial resources generosity is sharing all that god has given to you generosity is giving your time your talent your gifts your passions your finances i was in a meeting about two weeks ago was a luncheon with a brother who was from uganda and it was incredible, his, his story. The man started his mission with just $10 in his pocket. He walked about 25 miles a day, he and his wife, to go and share the good news, uh, the gospel to with people. He, 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 he took care of people that were poorer than he was, and he was already poor. And he started that mission with $10. So if someone asked a question in this meeting, they says, "Well, well, how did you get to the point where you are now, you have 300 churches all over, 300, Yes, right, 300 churches and organizations all over the world. How did you get from $10 to 300 organizations? Someone asked the question, how did you raise money? He says, I didn't raise money. I made friends. I made friends. And when you make friends, it's really easy to be generous When you make friends, it's really easy to be generous with your time. When you make friends, it's really really easy to be generous with your talent. When you make friends, it's really easy to be generous with your resources. And I'm not talking about money, but your sphere of influence. One of the things this gentleman said, he says, relationships, and this message is not about relationships, but having relationships tie into what it means to be generous. He says, relationships are more important than meat. Relationships are more important than the very food you eat is what he's saying in essence. And when you have relationships, then you can begin to understand what it means to be generous. But in order to form relationships, it requires you to be generous, number one, with your time. We are a love-starved nation. Do y'all know that? Everybody in the world is craving relationship. Everybody in the world is craving a touch. Everybody in the world is craving to be noticed. Everybody in the world is craving to be loved and want to know that you love and care about them. And one of the easiest and best ways to show somebody that is being generous, whatever that means to you, whether it's your time, your talent, your finances, your resources, your very home. Sometimes it requires that to show somebody that they matter. The Scripture that's going to kind of lead us today is going to be like the foundation. You'll find it in 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 and 19 through 19. 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 through 19. Now this Paul, if you read the New Testament, Paul wrote most of the New Testament, and a lot of what he wrote in the New Testament were letters to churches Churches that he helped start or form. But in this, in this particular instance, this is not Paul writing to a church. He's writing to his, his, his mentee, his spiritual son. He's writing to Timothy, giving Timothy direction to give to the churches that Timothy and he are planting together. Paul, in case you all didn't know, he was indeed a church planner. That's why I take great pride in being a church planner because that's what Paul did listen, this is what he says to Timothy. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. How many of us know that's true? Amen. Hallelujah. There just should be, their trust should be in God, who is rich, who richly gives us all we need for enjoyment. Let me pause right there. God gives us all we need for enjoyment. Not perhaps all that we want, all we need for enjoyment. And sometimes our wants are tied up in those needs that he gives us. Watch this. He gives us the resources to enjoy time with our families. He gives us the resources to enjoy time with our spouses. He gives us the resources to enjoy time together in worship. He gives us everything we need to enjoy those things that he blesses us with. 18, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience True life. This is the very instruction that Paul is giving to his mentee as they talk to other pastors who will be leading these other churches that, I, that they are starting. And I'm going I'm to get into what that means in a minute. But I want to talk about the very word that Paul uses in this particular scripture that word generous. That word generous that he's using specifically in this scripture, when we read it in the Greek, it is meterados is the word, and that very word means well, good. It also means to properly give from a liberal attitude, generous attitude, that is ready to share. Here, here's what else it means. This is what I love. It refers to spontaneous, willing giving and emphasizes being ready for outreach. Here's one I want to share with you. It describes this word, you meteratos, it describes someone who open handedly, willingly shares and stands ready to impart and stands ready to give unto somebody else. Watch this. This is the other, this is the final definition. This gets, it gets better and better. That word, you meteratos, it means the ease. Promptitude and joy. That's the part I want you to catch. The joy with which one makes one's wealth useful to others. It's the joy, the open-handedness, the willingness to share your wealth to benefit somebody else other than yourself. What it didn't say was your financial wealth. What it said was your wealth, your wealth of knowledge, your wealth of resources, your wealth in, your, in the form of your sphere of influence, your wealth in terms of relationships, your wealth in knowledge, your wealth in wisdom, your wealth, whatever your wealth is, willing to share that to build somebody else up. Not just build up your name, build up your family, build up your net worth, but build somebody else up. And when he's saying here to Timothy is teach these churches to use their talents, their time, their gift, as they they're, they're creating a culture here of generosity. Teach them to use all that I've given them to do something else for somebody else. And here's, he, here's the beauty in it. Jesus is like God is saying he's like this. Listen, check this out. If you you know, Paul is telling his people because he's, he's been. A, gifted and and licensed to do this from God. He's telling his people, listen, if we start a culture like this, everybody comes up. Not just you, not just your family, not just whatever. And it's amazing that it comes from Paul because Paul comes from a group of people where they were only the ones who came up. They were part of the halves. He was a Pharisee. And he said, no, 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 that's the wrong way. If we all use that, all that God has given us, we all come up. We all benefit. We all prosper. Nobody is left behind. And it's, and it's a great example of it when we read Acts and we go to the second book of Acts when the very first church started. What did they do? People grabbed the deeds to their houses and lands and were like, yo, we're going to sell this. Why? Not so they could come up. So. Everybody can come up. The whole crew, the whole family, the whole community came up. That's generosity. The model has already been set for us. And and today I want to pierce your heart in a radical way so that when we leave this place, we understand what generosity in the eyes of God really means. Here's here's what I'm going to do. There are no notes for you today. I intentionally did that. Because today I'm not going to tell you what you need to get out of it. I want you to listen and let God pierce your heart for what you need to get out of it. Because all of us are in a different phase in our lives of generosity. All of us. Some of us give, you know, money because we, we just got it and, and we just want to give and we, we, can, we can handle that. Some of us give our time and our talent and, 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 and others of us give, give, give literally our physical bodies to do the work of God. Wherever you are in your generosity today you take the notes and let God speak to you. I pray that you really ignore my voice, ignore my baritone and my voice today, and listen to the Word of God and what He's saying to you so that it pierces your heart and we leave differently. The scripture that I'm going to share with you all is one of my, one of my favorites. It's, a, it's, a, it's an entire chapter, and no, I'm not going to read it, so don't don't, don't doze off. I'm not going to read the entire chapter. But what I am going to do is break it down in pieces that you can dissect and digest today. All right? So, so, so if you have a Bible, if you don't, I highly suggest that you get the uh, YouVersion app on your phone. If you have a smartphone, and if you don't have a smartphone, that must mean you have a flip phone because those are the only ones that are no longer smart. Any flip phone carriers in here? Don't, don't raise your hand. I don't want a mob coming after you. Don't do that. I don't want them to judge you. This is not a courtroom. This is the house of God. If you got a flip phone, keep your hand down and keep that to yourself. Let me know later on. I might have a smartphone I can donate to you. Hey, Amen. We don't want nobody to miss this. But if you have a smartphone, go on ahead, go to your apps, and get version. This way you have the Bible with you all the time. Matter of fact, um, it will help you in your Bible reading. You know, if you, if you really want to saturate your heart with the Word of God, you get that. It'll send you remind. It's so easy. You don't even have to go to it. Your phone will vibrate and say, hey, it's time for you to read your Bible today. And here's the best part. Once we launch our app, you'll be able to literally take notes live from version. So once we download, once uh, the Mosaic Church app is complete, you can have the Bible up and at the same time take notes right there from your phone. That's pretty dope, y'all. Technology's amazing. Thank the Lord of technology. I'm not going to give no credit to man for that. It's all the Lord. I want y'all to meet me over in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This, this entire chapter was written to the church in Corinth for a specific reason. It's, it's, it's to remind them, this Paul wrote this letter to them, to remind them of a promise that they made a long time ago. Not that they weren't keeping the promise, but he just wants to make sure that, he, that they do keep the promise because things were getting a little shifty. They had some false prophets happening over there, people who were, who were dropping some false things. They were kind of trying to tell the church, yo, this Paul do? Remember what he used to do? They're trying to say, hey, y'all following this guy that may be leading y'all down the wrong path and all of this stuff. So Paul's like, you know what, let me write this letter. And, and the letter he writes to them, specifically in chapter 8, it's talking about a relief fund. That he wanted to set up for the very first church they started. And that very first church that they started was primarily Jewish people. They were primarily Hebrew. But all of the other churches that he planted, the majority of them were Gentiles. And so they started this fund and the fund was to help them because they were poor. Why were they poor? They were one persecuted. Right? They decided to follow this thing called the way, the way being what we call today Christianity. And because they decided to follow this thing called the way, they were persecuted by other Jews. So they were very poor. They had no resources. So Paul's like, hey, since they were the first ones to jump on board, they were the first ones to do the buy-in, we got to support them. So let's start this relief fund. And the very first church, one of the wealthiest churches in one of the most wealthy areas over in this area at the time, uh, just happened to be the Corinthian church. And the church in Corinth was like, hey, we want to be the first to give. Why? Well, we got money. We got resources. We got it going on. We want to be the first to give. And so Paul's like, okay, cool. And they did. But Paul's like, but let me remind y'all, they're still being persecuted. So let let me encourage y'all to keep on giving. So, So this is what he's saying. He says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. Some of the churches in Macedonia would include Philippi, the church uh, that we know from the book of Philippians, and uh, some other churches that were poor. They are being tested by many troubles. They are very poor. But, watch this, this is a good part. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. They're poor they're being challenged. They're facing some issues. They, it, listen, it's not looking good for them, but for some reason there's a joy on the inside that's so big and so bodacious and wonderful that it's beginning to out come, outpour in them the, the spirit of generosity. They're excited. Well, why are they excited? I think the next, the next line will tell us. For I can testify, this is Paul saying this, for I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. This church that is poor, this church that is facing trials, this church that is going through all kinds of trouble, this church that's, that's having some issues gave more than he even anticipated. Watch this. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift of the believers in Jerusalem. That line alone tells me that Paul gave them an out. They begged to be a part of it. Well, why would they beg? Because Paul probably said, you know what? Y'all get y'all stuff together first. Get your money right first. Get some stuff in the bank first. And then y'all can participate in this. But no, this poor church that had troubles that had issues, they had some challenges, they were poor, it was like, no, 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 please, please, Paul, don't, don't do this to us, man. Not now. don't do this to us. We want to be a part of this. Don't exclude us. Please, Paul, let us be a part of this. They begged again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift of the believers. They even did more than we had hoped for. For their first action, watch this, their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So watch this. They did more. And he tells us what the more was that they did. Immediately, he says, they did more than we even asked or hoped for them to do. They first gave up their time, their selves. They first, the first thing they did, they didn't run, they didn't drop the baskets and say, let's pass baskets, let's do an offering. The first thing they did was like, listen, we don't have a lot of money, but that's not reason enough for you to exclude us from this rich and wonderful privilege to participate in this, Paul. We at least got people. And it may not be a bunch of us, but we got some people that will get in here, roll their sleeves up, get dirty, get grimy for the kingdom of God. And include us, man. Put us in the game the first thing they did was give of themselves. Do you all know that a lot of times that's way more valuable than your money? Rich people throw money at, at that stuff all day long. It's easy to do that if you got it. If you got money, it's easy to stroke off a check. It's hard for you to schedule time in your schedule to get out of the bed, get up early, sacrifice some of your personal time, whether, whatever you were going to do, to go and do something that will build somebody else up. It's a hard thing to do. It's hard for me. I'm the pastor. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not I'm not void of having those struggles. It's hard for me to get out and oh, okay, we got to do it, but I know this is going to bless somebody. And we get past our own selfish stuff and do something that will bless somebody else. You know what helps me do that? Somebody did that for me. I may not remember exactly who it was or the day it was or the situation or, or, or how it happened but there, it's, it's actually impossible for me to be where I'm at today without somebody doing something early in the morning that blessed me, even if it meant getting up early in the morning and praying. I often talk about my, my father's godmother, my grandmother, Maddie Overton. Um, and, and if you've never heard this story uh, that you enjoy, but those who've heard it, you know. You know, Maddie Overton used to, you know, I didn't always believe in God. Y'all know that story. I was just out in the world, I was doing a little 5% stuff. I was doing my little, you know, whatever stuff. You just just hanging out. And uh, when I got out of control, Maddie Overton, she, she knew one thing. She knew to pray over me. But she always wanted to pray over me when I was getting ready to go to the skating party or if I was getting ready to go to a little house party or something. And I just put on my fresh gear, you know, put on that Drakkar Noir and getting ready to go do my thing. But I got to go over there and see Maddie Overton. And, and I could tell how severe my, my, my crime was based upon if she had the oil out. If the oil was out, I really, really did something wrong. If there was no oil, that meant she was just going to pray, I'd be dismissed, you know, and there'd be a little lecture or something. But if the oil was out, she's going to start saying some stuff that I don't even understand, and she's going to put this greasy oil on my forehead, and I've got to go to a party with a greasy forehead, and smelling like dracar noir and olive oil that just wasn't cool for me and she didn't stop with the forehead because she had you know she put it on her hands and rubbed it good and then she put hands on you so now I got like like greasy palm prints on my fresh jean jacket or, or, or my fresh starter jacket you come on y'all 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 where, are my, where are my 80s people at y'all know what I'm talking about you know I got greasy palms on my gear and it's mixed with my Drakkar Noir that I bathed myself in. Because that was the only way you could wear it. You didn't dab Drakkar Noir. You poured it like this, and then you put it all over, you know. On your clothes, not your body, on your clothes. Come on, y'all. y'all come on. Do I got anybody who did that? Thank you, sir. You, the black bottle. Thank, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The Dracar Noir. Man, come on. And so, but here's my whole point. I didn't appreciate that then. It's messing up my game. But I appreciate it now because even when I wasn't a believer, she covered me. And her covering protected me from a whole lot of stuff. I got boys that's dead today, cats that I ran with side by side doing stupid stuff. And it was literally stupid stuff. We were not doing no serious crimes. We were not breaking in people's houses and stuff. We were just doing stupid stuff. Like shooting my, 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 boys. my boy's father was a cop. we grabbed the gun and just start shooting and doing stupid stuff. But eventually somebody gets hurt, right? It's all fun till somebody gets hurt. And some of my cats ain't even hanging with me. And I firmly believe it's because Maddie Overton put that olive oil on my nice starter jacket and my forehead and covered me. Because all she could give me was her time. She couldn't go out there and chase me down and pull me from the areas that I was hanging out with. Hanging out in. She couldn't do that. She was too old. All she could give me was her time and her prayer. And that's all that some of you all have. And that's all that these people had at the time was their time. And they gave their time to help others. They gave their time. They didn't want to be uh, 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 not allowed to participate in this. Why is that? And Paul is going and he's telling the church in Corinth about them. Why is he telling to church in Corinth? He's like, listen, y'all got all the money in the world, and all of a sudden, y'all were the first ones to want to give, but now all of a sudden, it's kind of slowed down a bit. Y'all are letting what other people say about church get in your head and preventing you from this enthusiasm that you once had to give to the church, to build up the kingdom. And don't let people get in your head is what Paul is saying. So let me remind you, you think that you cannot give. You think that you don't have the, uh, uh, the, the capacity to participate in this. Look at these people who begged, who were broke, going through some troubles. We're the first ones to eagerly be a part of this. So, so correct, church, don't tell me you cannot participate in this. Don't tell me you don't have the capacity to participate in this. And Paul is reminding them of this. Here's what I want to share with you all. This is very important. The amount that we give is not as important as the how and the why we give. The amount that we give is not as important as the how and the why that we give. All through Scripture, God gives us a model of how and why we give all through Scripture. And there's two things. If you don't believe me, I dare you to go read the Old Testament, New Testaments. Pause in the maps if you want. I guarantee you'll find two reasons why people gave and it honored God. Okay? And then I'm going to talk about them in a minute here. But I'm going to tell you right off the rip. People gave excited. They were full of joy. They were happy. They were cheerful. There's a reason why that scripture's there. God loves a cheerful giver because if we look at the Old Testament and we look at New Testament, remember what I shared with you in the Old Testament when they were building, they were like building a tabernacle? Generations of people were were proud People to do a particular part of what it meant to build the tabernacle. There could be a generation of families that just built and put up the pillars, but they were proud. They were excited. That was their offering unto the Lord. Then we can go New Testament, and we see a very poor church that was excited to give, and we read stories of women that came and disrupted dinners to give praise to God, or or people who gave their very last dime or quarter or nickel to give back to God. They were eager. Everyone who gave something in the Bible was cheerful. And every time they gave it was to build somebody up. Those are the two reasons we we give. And the two ways we give. We give to be we we give cheerfully and we give to build people up. That's the how and the why of generosity. We give to build people up and we give cheerfully. We do it cheerfully. Never ever do I want you to ever give begrudgingly? Your time, your talent, your money. I don't ever want you, I never want to see, I say, hey, we need more volunteers and somebody go, oh. Hey, we want to do this outreach, oh. Hey, I need just a few more men to help us put the pipe in, oh. I really, listen, if, if that's the attitude, keep it. Because we can do this. Because it's not about who's here. It's not about how many are here. It's about who's here. And I think much more is accomplished with the people who want to be here than those who do it begrudgingly. And never, ever feel, really, ever, ever feel you're doing me or Erica or any other other leaders in this church a favor when you do something. It's not a favor to me. It's what God says you have to do. Everybody in the church, everybody in the Bible did it. Everybody. So it's nothing that we're asking you to do. We're just saying, read the Bible. This is what it says. See what they did and do what they did, and then we don't have a problem. Never, ever give of anything to Mosaic Church. Pastor Broderick is saying it from the pulpit. This is on the podcast. You can replay it so you know I'm not making this. Listen, never, ever give grudgingly. And if there's ever a time where you feel like you don't want to do something and there's some, you, know, you feel some type of way about doing it, then don't do it. Because it doesn't honor God, and it just, you know, makes everybody else upset. So just be, be, be real with it. That's your heart right there. The amount we give is not as important as the how and the why we give. Why do we give? To build up the church. A lot of people don't like to hear that, but let me tell you why you need to hear that. This is important. We give to build up the church, but this is what you need to understand. The church is not a building. The church is people. We give to build up people. Jesus never built buildings. He was a carpenter. He never built buildings. The greatest architecture or carpentry work he ever built was the people. He built people. We build buildings, and that's okay, but if those buildings are just built so that we can be this huge edifice in the community, then they serve the wrong purpose. We can build the buildings in order to build the people. And that's exactly what Paul was doing when he's telling these Gentile church that he built, where he built people up, and they went and raised money to give to their poorer mother church. He was saying, we need to build these buildings, these places of worship, so that we can have a place to house people that need to be built up. And that, my brothers and sisters, is the vision and mission of Mosaic Church, to reach Teach, serve, and love people regardless of their background, regardless of their history, regardless of where they are. I don't care how they look. I don't care what their story is. They can come in drunk. They can, I don't care if they just came from the club and came directly to the church. I don't care. A matter of fact, I would love that. I don't have that problem. I'm not stuck in tradition and stuff like that. They come here to be built up. And this is why we have to build up the buildings. This is why we are moving to another place. Yeah, all the seats in this place aren't filled. But let's make room so we can fill up the people. If we have a building that we can have people at over here at Floyd Church, I mean Floyd uh, Middle School. It's an opportunity for us to build up more people. And that's what this is all about. We give to build not a building but to build a building that will build up people to raise up more leaders. I firmly believe that I am not the only one in this building today called to be a pastor. And every single one of you in this room is a minister. And But you have to be built up to that point of realizing that's what God has called you to do. It always is quiet when we talk about generosity. I expected that. The greatest investment you can make in life is in people. People outlast buildings. Some of y'all are like, nah, nah. I know a building that's been around three hundred years. True. But the generations of people who were blessed by something you did for generations upon generations upon generations will outlast that building. What you plant in somebody a seed that you plant in somebody will outlast any building. If you plant hope in somebody, they'll pay it forward and plant hope in somebody else. They'll pay it forward and plant hope in somebody else. They'll pay it forward and plant hope in somebody else. Whatever you plant in somebody, it stays in them. That seed, as long as it's uh, nourished, as long as it's watered, as long as it's taken care of, will outlast any building. People will outlast building. It's called um, Legacy. And, and, and at the top of the year, we're going to do a, a series all about legacy. What do you stand for? They just built the art center back in upstate New York, in, 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 in snow-drenched upstate New York, Lackawanna, New York, where my father and my family are from. And this building is, is incredible. And they, they, de- they donated it to my dad, and it says, Ruben Santiago Hudson. I'm like, wow, this building, that's that's Legacy. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because there's a clause in the contract for them to put my father's name on that business. And the minute they put something in that building that does not line up with the legacy of Ruben Santiago Hudson, Ruben Santiago Hudson's name comes off the building. Why? Because his name, that is the legacy. The building is not the legacy. People outlast any building. The greatest investment you can make is into people. Watch that. Well, well, what does that mean? Financially? Spiritually? Man, I love to make spiritual deposits into people. The other day I had a mentee that, that I really, I, I honestly, I gave up on. I didn't give up on, but I did. You know what I mean? It's like, you know what? I've done all I can. I just prayed that that seed somehow, some way, receives a little bit of water, and it just comes through this muddy, dirty soil that he calls his life right now. And so one day, it was, you know, it was dark. It was out. Matter of fact, Gus and I were just coming from mentoring some other young boys that we mentor. And we see them, as, you know, Gus was dropping me off, and I see them in passing. And maybe an hour, it was dark at this time, maybe an hour after Gus dropped me off, the doorbell rings. My first thought is, Gus came back because I wasn't expecting any guests. I asked my wife, you expecting anyone? She says, no. So it's dark outside, so I turn the porch light on, and I was like, wait a minute. That's my mentee. I won't say his name. He'll remain nameless. I says, wait a minute. What, is, what does he want? So I go outside, and I see his boy. If, you, if you've seen my house, we got like a L-shaped type of wraparound porch. And so his buddy is standing kind of like this against the wall. Well, I can only see his arm. And so I think they get ready to set me up. So I'm looking for something just in case. I'm, I couldn't find nothing. So I just grabbed a little boot. Hey, I'm gonna distract you before I get to you. So I grabbed my boot, I'm like, what's up, man? I'm picking up the door, he's like, Hey man, can we talk to you? And I was like, All right, God, cover me. And so I just dropped the boot and I walk outside and I said, What's going on? I stay close to the door. I says, Man, come on around here, man, so I can see you, man, so we can all talk. So I didn't know what was going on. My first thought was, he know I live in his hood. He gonna get me now let's go i'm I'm gonna fight to the end shame on me because here's what he said he says man pastor i just want to say thank you for for caring and spending time with me and putting me on the right track and i says huh okay i totally didn't think this kid got it he was one of the ones i knew wouldn't get it he says thanks for putting me on the right track this is the program i'm in I graduated that program, I got my GED, I'm working here, I'm getting ready to go back to college, and I just wanted to stop by and say thank you. I was like, dang, oh man, that's deep. But he didn't finish there. He says, and this guy here, and he told me his friend's name, he says he's a freshman at Pebble Brook High School, and I want to know if you can do the same thing for him. How many of y'all know... That that young man and the next young man and the next one after that, they're gonna keep giving to every young man they encounter. The best investment you can make in this world is not in your CD, it's not in your Roth IRA, it's not in your investments, it's not in real estate, it's in flesh and blood people. When you deposit something into them that's rich and wonderful, the return is something you cannot even fathom. It's immeasurable. Oh my goodness, the best deposit you can make is in to people. And here's the thing, don't expect anything in return. Here's what I want to tell you. The why we give is not to just build up the church. The church is not a building, but the church is people. Now, how does God want us to give? Cheerfully. Cheerfully. Watch this. Watch this. Let me me just read some scripture. God wants us to give cheerfully. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously, open-handedly, willingly gets a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much you want to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. He doesn't love that person that gave because they felt the pressure. Well, he does. God loves us all. But you probably won't receive an atta boy or an atta girl for that. You won't receive DAP for that. He'll just say, all right, you were obedient because of the pressure, but your heart was not connected to your giving of your time, your talent, your resources, or whatever you gave. He wants you to be cheerful. 2 Corinthians 8 and 2 says this that they were being tested. By many troubles, and they were very poor, but they are also filled with what? Abundant joy. It was so much joy that it overflowed in generosity. Man, that's hard for me to do, to be in some mess and feel very generous. Yeah, pastor said it, because y'all won't. It's hard to, for me to have some challenges or some issues in my life and feel generous. It's hard for me to, to, to have financial struggles in my life and then somebody say, hey, man, I'm going through some stuff. Um, I, I got some financial issues in my life. I'm unemployed or unemployed. It's hard for me to be like, oh, goodness, I want to help you out, but, man, I'm in the same boat, bro. It's hard for me to speak, to speak life into someone's marriage if me and my wife just had a disagreement. It's like, man, I got to fix my own junk. But when I put my stuff aside and say, hold on, give me a second. God, I need you now. Don't let me speak, but you got to speak for me. They need me. They came to me for a reason. So God, I need you to just speak through me. I'm going to be your mouthpiece. You tell me the words to say, and I'll say them. But don't let the words that I say just rest on them, but let me use them too to apply to my own situation. God, we need you now. And it's in those moments where I pause and pray, and God begins to speak, and it's like, they're like saying thank you after the word. And I'm like, no, thank you, because you pushed the pressure on me to pray for myself. We both got blessed in this. Why? Because I put my stuff aside, asked God to help us out and to speak for both of us and we both received what we needed to receive. And that's what I'm telling you. When you give cheerfully, you move past your stuff and say, you know what? God brought me through this before and he'll do it again. Here's what I want to ask you all. Think about this. Why were they joyous and eager to participate in this act of generosity? They're poor. They got troubles. What made them joyous? The first thought when I read this scripture was that they were excited because, oh, man, if we do this, God is going to bless us. If we we give, God is going to bless our church. That was my first thought. But as I read further and dug deeper into the scriptures and got my shovel and went all the way in, had nothing to do with what they would get in return. Never once were they promised anything in return. They didn't know if God would respond to them in the form of a blessing. They had no idea of what would happen with them giving of their time and their resources and their money. All they knew was we wanted to be a part of something greater than even ourselves. We believe that this thing that's getting ready to happen is going to be massive. It's going to outlast generations upon generations. This thing is real. This man is real. He did die. We met people who have actually encountered him when he was resurrected. It. Oh, we believe it. Please let us be a part of it. We don't want nothing in return. We just want to be givers of what's getting ready to go down. And a lot of times I see people and I have to pause and say, listen, I know you don't see it yet, but God got something major for you. Will you accept it? It's so big. Listen, I don't know what I can do to help you. Here's my list of contacts. Here's a few dollars. Whatever I can do to be a part of what God is getting ready to do in you, let me be a part of it, please. Because what's getting ready to happen is greater than even you can see. That's generosity. That is generosity. And that's what these people, this poor church saw, was getting ready to go down. Is bigger than our poor church. It's bigger than our circumstances. It's bigger than our troubles. It's bigger than what we could even fathom. But I want to be a part of that. Not so my name can be written. Not so I can make it in the Bible that they didn't know was going to happen that you and I are reading today. But because they wanted this thing to last forever. And this is what I see for us. I don't want us to just be a church in this city. I want us to be a church that helps build this city. I don't want to be a church in a city. I want to build this city. I don't care if Mosaic's name or Broderick's name or your name is not in the books. The only book I want our names to be in is the great book. The one that God looks at when we get to those pearly gates and it says, yeah, you made it. Y'all built the city. Y'all did something great. When I say built the city, we built the people in this city. Do y'all know within a five mile radius of this very spot, this very spot that we're in right now, there are tens of thousands of people that don't have a relationship with Christ? Did you all know that high schoolers right now are saying that, you know what, this church thing ain't cool. Jesus ain't done nothing for me. I'm homeless. I'm hungry. No, he ain't done nothing for me. He ain't done nothing for my mama. He's never done anything for my father. He's never done anything for my family. I've got people incarcerated in my family. He's never been there for me. Why should I believe it? Do you know the fastest denomination growing right now in this world? Atheism. And it's starting in high school. Is there opportunity for us to grow? You're doggone right. Is there opportunity for us to build up people? You're doggone right. And this is why, my brothers and sisters, I'm desperate. I get calls all the time for us to do stuff in Atlanta, Georgia. I get calls for us to do stuff all the time in other areas that are not South Cobb or Mableton. and I say no because God has put a burden for me here for the people that live in this area where homelessness it does exist, but it looks different. Just the other day, we gave somebody money to put gas in their car because that was their home for the evening. They refused to go to a hotel or motel. their car was where they wanted to be because of pride, and I wasn't going to force the issue, but we bless them with money in their tank so that they can at least be warm in their car. They live in this community. Their children attend the middle school here. Homelessness does exist in the suburbs. It just looks different. Unemployment and underemployment exist here. And I firmly believe that you and I can be the catalyst of change by having a spirit or a heart that's saturated with generosity, giving of our time, our resources, our talents, all of the above. I've, I've gone longer. Let me show y'all what it means to be a cheerful giver. Y'all, yeah, let, let, me show you what it mean. let me show you what it means to be a cheerful giver. Cue, cue this video. You're going to see what cheerful giving looks like. You don't have to get up. I'll get the lights. I got it. Let me show you what cheerful giving looks like. Funny, isn't it? That is so funny. That is so funny. I cracked up when I first saw that. Over a million people have seen that. But you know how many people have actually watched the video where he gives a testimony as to why he does that? Maybe 10, 15,000, if that. Over one million people have looked at this and did what we all did. And it's okay. I laugh too. Don't 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 feel ashamed. I cracked up. I didn't know there was even a testimony. There's like Multiple videos of him doing this, but something in my spirit says, "You know what? There's got to be more to this." And so I typed right in YouTube, "Brother Frank." Once I got his name, because I found that his name is Brother Franklin, but that's not his real name; that's just what they call him, Brother Franklin. And so uh, when I when I put it in YouTube, Brother Franklin testimony, I just wanted to see if there was one, and by golly, there was one. I'm not gonna play it for you today because it's super long. It's like three parts. It's that long, and. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. This brother dances like that because he's, he's experienced life in a bad way. He's, he gets excited to give because the word cheerful in the Bible, that word means hilarious. It literally means, it says, be hilarious. Hilariously give. That's the exact word translated from the Greek. So when it says cheerful, it says hilarious, crazy. Be a crazy, hilarious gift. And Brother Franklin takes that literal. So every chance he gets to give, he does. You know why? Because there was a time where he couldn't. You know why? In one year alone, he lost at least six family members, one of them being the wife, his wife, then the second one being his daughter, because the wife died during birth, then the baby didn't last that much longer after that, followed by his father the following month, This man has had malaria and survived it. He's been in numerous accidents where he should have been dead. His car flipped over several times. He's been homeless. He's had a lot of stuff. So when he has a moment to give to God, he's like, this is the day. And he's excited. He's hilarious. Why? Because God was hilarious when he blessed him. God was cheerful when he blessed him. He should be dead. Anybody in here know anybody who's ever survived malaria? not many of us, not many of us know people. But the cause, listen, the, 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 the percentage of people who survive it is not that great if you don't have access to the resources. This man had it and survived it. He had other diseases and ailments. He's lost a lot, and he's still here. So when he does that, and you wonder, my first thought was like, why ain't nobody stopping him? Because I'm gonna tell you, y'all do that in Mosaic Church. I'm like, yo, Brandon, they gotta they gotta go. They got their distraction to the word of God. I'm just playing. I wouldn't do that. I'd be I'd embrace it. Cause I don't know what your struggle. I don't know what you came through to do that. Perhaps you couldn't do that last week. Perhaps you couldn't even get out of your bed. Now you're able to dance. I don't know. And I think that's why they let Brother Franklin do that. I think they knew his story. He shared his testimony. And they were like, man, this dude needs, he he earned that craziness. He earned that moment to do that. That's why they let him do that. Let me wrap it up here. Let me wrap it up here. God wants us to give cheerfully. God wants us to give willfully, willfully. Watch this. Let me read down for you. This is really good. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged you for your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, in your gifted speakers, in your knowledge, in your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to also excel in this gracious act of giving. I am not commanding you. This is the part I love. I am not commanding you to do this. Paul says, I'm not commanding you to do this. Let me see where your heart is. There's a scripture that says, where your heart is, there is also your treasure. It could be vice versa. I always mix it up. The bottom line is this. He's asking them, where's your heart? Let me see if you'll do what you said you would do in the very beginning. You were eager in the beginning. Where's your enthusiasm now? I'm not commanding this. Let me see your heart. The amount we give, my brothers and sisters... It's not as important and the how and the why we give. There was an article I read, and I'm going to wrap it up right here just so you can know what I'm talking about. There was an article that was written in the Wall Street Journal just last year, 2013. And the article had to do with they were wondering if, if the, the desire to be altruistic, that was the exact word they used, Gus. Gus taught a, 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 a lesson on altruism to our mentees. They wanted to see that if, if this was indeed something that was forced on people or if there was a chemical reaction as to why people gave. So the Wall Street Journal, this journalist wrote this article about it, and they had these scientists literally do these tests to see if it was something that was birthed in you or something that was taught or, or just why people give. Watch this. I just want to share this, and then we're gonna, I'm going to pray us out right here. Watch this. While they were analyzing the study of results... One of the doctors, his name is Dr. Grafman, Dr. Grafman's colleague, Jorge Moll, came up to him and said, you won't believe this. The scans, they did these uh, scans on the people. The scans revealed that when people made the decision to donate to what they felt was a worthy organization, parts of the midbrain lit up. The same region, the midbrain, this is the same region that controls cravings for food and sex and the same region that became active when the subjects added money to their personal reward accounts. What he's saying is, and let me break this down in layman's terms, that same craving that you have for food and sex when you give, that same thing happens. In other words, what they're saying is we all crave to do something better for somebody else other than ourselves. How do I know? Science doesn't have to tell me that. God already told me. He's planted generosity in the heart and soul of every single one of us in this room. But society and culture are all counterproductive to the natural flow of God. And it prevents us in many cases of being willful and cheerful in our generosity. So today my prayer is this, that you begin to saturate your heart with generosity and give more of your time, more of your resources, and more of your talents. And if you don't know where, I I could tell you a a good place to start is your local church. Yeah, I said it. I might have to say that. You are all shareholders in this church called Mosaic Church. And as a shareholder, you get to reap a reward. And that reward is planted in the lives of the people that you touch.